I, I uh, sometimes you need to tell a story, and it sounds like you're bragging, but it's not at all, right? You need to, you need to trust the intents of my heart here. But uh, I, maybe there's something of God in here. Is Kyle here? So he's not here. All right. Oh. All right, all right. <laughs> so uh, a while ago, a while ago, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, me and Kyle jogs. And uh, I can honestly say he's a better jogger than me. All right? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pastoral jogger. He jogs with me just because he wants to encourage me and support me. But it came out that he, uh, um, he plays tennis. And I said, oh, I play also tennis. Like, All right, you know. Um, I said, maybe I'll give you a go. You know, so I said, okay, but let's, let's just go play. And uh, we go and play the tennis game. We didn't know how one another play and so on. And, uh, you know, it, it might be miraculous or something, but I beat him. You know? <laughs> I, I, I beat him 6-1, 6-1. So I sent him a message. I sent him a message that evening. You know, I just thought, like, while I have it, I'm going to use this. I sent him a message. I said, you won't believe it. I feel like the Lord is speaking to me that I should preach out of Isaiah 61. Wait. Maybe it's because I just saw so many six ones lately. <laughs> so last week we had our revenge. It's like our rematch. We'll have to play it again. And you won't believe it. I beat him again. Six one. Six one. Then we decided, okay, let's play doubles. And David that stays with us plays with Kyle. And Sammy that's with me played with me. And I beat them again, 6-1. <laughs> so I thought God was actually speaking to us this morning <laughs> about Isaiah 61. I think, it's a, I think it's a chapter for us, you know. He had to, he had to take Kyle for so much suffering <laughs> and humiliation in order that he can bring this message to us this morning. I, I, I just... When, when Christy read that this morning, there was so much life on it. So, you know, whether, whether that it, <laughs> get away from the mic, Kyle. <laughs> whether, whether it is something that God used or not, I don't know. But I felt when Christy read Isaiah 61 this morning, there was a whole lot of God on it and a whole lot of something for us for the season. So I want to, I, I just, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it again um, for us. Isaiah 61, um, from verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. It's just like, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I'll, I'll read it here, I feel like, that is, that is the thing, that is the anointing that is in our midst that God is bringing about. It's breaking open. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, speaking about Jesus, but it's this ministry that's handed over to anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And to opening of the prisons to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. 
to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oh, that's so, so beautiful. Right. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm glad that I could bring that portion the way I could have. I want to, I I saw recently when I looked at our our sermons of the last two weeks in the desert, you know, I know they were in the desert for 40 years, but the sermon length was close to it the last uh, two weeks. So I'm going to try to get us quickly through the desert this morning, all right? (laughs) But we are still, though, in the desert. So, um, Jeremiah 29, and, and this is, uh, you guys know this, but I just want to, in the outset, just say this verse again. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is a promise that's consistent, consistent with, uh, uh, with the New Testament, draw close to me, James 5, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. I am a rewarder, Hebrews 11, I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Now, in, in the outset of um, the desert, the guys just got out of Egypt, and they got themselves into the desert. And uh, the desert, we didn't know at that time, was a very, very long time. And there was then certain things that God has sustained the guys through the desert. I want us to read through some of the things that are said in Exodus 16. It says in Exodus 16, verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I might test them. There's a test here. Can you, can, you, can, you, can you see this? There's a test here. I will give them manna. I'll sustain them. I'll sustain them for 40 years. I'm going to make sure that they have enough sustenance and enough strength to go through this time, but they'll have to go gather it every day, and this will be a test. All right whether they will walk in my law or not. Then in verse 14 to verse 21, he says this, again explains this, and he says, and when the dew had gone up, so the the next morning they woke up, there's dew, and when the dew rises up, as the sun comes up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground, When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to him, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall eat steak and omer, it's a measurement, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in this tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more 
and some less. It's like, well, each one should gather one omer. It's a certain measurement. If you've got five people in your house, five omers. Michal and Mandri had the privilege for six omers. Oh, right? Six omers. And some of them go like, you know, I'll just uh, take a little bit more. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And the people of Israel, but when they, me- and the, <laughs> but when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. <laughs> That's so smooth. <laughs> we keep the anticipation here. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. All right. So this is the gathering of the manna that they had every day. So it worked like this. You woke up, the Lord tested you, says, listen, I've got food for you. You just know, need to go and get it. So the food is on the floor. I mean, it's like, I mean, we say this is like manna from heaven. I mean, this is, this is what it was, you know. They grew up, come out of their tents, and there's the bread. And all that it takes for them is to gather them. And the problem for those that thought in advance and think like, well, I'll gather for Monday and Tuesday so that I can sleep a little bit later on Tuesday, that did not work. Because that bread was, that manna was designed in such a way that it only lasted for one day and only, only worked when it's fresh. Manna can only be enjoyed fresh. And so as soon as the guys would gather and not, or gather too much, it will rot so that they were forced to gather every day. I'll mention one point here at the last point. As the day grew on, the manna melted. Let's remember that. As the day grew on, the manna melted. That manna was only to be gathered before the sun shines brightly. If you would wait to gather the manna a little bit later in the day, the manna will melt and your opportunity to gather will pass you by. All right. So consider that and we will look at that now. But let's just look at what Jesus speaks about this manna then in John 6. In John 6, Jesus says this. He says, our father, fathers ate the manna. This, this, is, this is the Jews that speaks to Jesus. And they said to him, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, Sir, give us this bread. Always. 
Jesus said, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not, shall not thirst. So we would see an indication there that the manna from heaven that they had to eat every day is a picture of Jesus himself, of partaking and eating for Jesus. Now, we'll see in Matthew 4 a little bit more explanation on that. This is uh, um, Jesus is in the desert. He's been fasting for 40 days, 40 days without food. I don't know if you've ever fasted, <clears throat> but if you fast, uh, we were joking the other day, saying, uh, um, uh, we were in prayer meeting and guys were saying, yeah, the fasting, the, the, first part, the, first, the first part of fasting is always hard, but as soon as it takes, as soon as you get through that first part, it becomes much easier. And I said, yes, for me, the first 23 days is usually the hardest ones. <laughs> All right, so. That's how I beat Carl, 6161. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So, but Jesus fasted for 40 days. Let me say, if you fast for one day, you drive even past the spur. That smells amazing. Even spur is able to work it on a hungry stomach. 40 days. 40 days. I mean, any bread is, is very nice. And the devil comes to Jesus and says, I know you're hungry, and you are God. You are able to turn the stones into bread. Do it. And Jesus said to them this, and verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes, I want you to read it, that comes from the mouth of God. Some translation says, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, listen, guys, can I say to you, there is a difference between reading a manuscript and a word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sometimes I just read a book. Sometimes I eat a word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So. When Jesus is revealed in Revelation 1 and John sees him, it's a funny picture, but that's how he saw him. He saw him, you know, hair as white as wool and all those things. But when he saw his mouth and he opened up his mouth, his tongue was like a two-edged sword, like a sharp two-edged sword. It must have obviously been quite a strange look. And in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, The Word of God is living and alive like a sharp two-edged sword, able, and then it speaks about what it's able to do. But see, there's a big, big difference of simply coming to a book and reading through a letter and going through a verse or coming to the Lord. And even though I read my Bible, I am searching for that word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that word that's a two-edged sword and pierce me and speaks to me. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in John 5, verse 39, and he says to them, you search the scriptures 
you search the scriptures, but the very scripture, uh, you search the scriptures and think in them that you will find eternal life. You think in studying the Bible you will find eternal life, but the very scriptures is testifying to me and you're not willing to come to me, which is the source of life. And there's a difference, guys. I tell you, there's a difference of reading a manuscript and coming to God. <clears throat> there's a difference of touching a book and touching the Son of God. There's a difference of touching a book and a living sword. And sometimes, sometimes when I come and I come to the Word of God, I come to the manna, my question is, where are, I, I, I'm coming, I, I don't want to come to a book, I want to come to the person. And as I'm reading through the book, I'm like, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Until, until, until I find him speak to me, where it's not merely a manuscript, as I said, but where's the life of God that pierces me. Now, how do I know I have collected manna? How do I know, how do I know that the word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God, which I should live for, is the thing that I've encountered? And I'll, I'm going to give you, uh, I think, four things at least. There should be more. Four things. Hans is counting, all right? <laughs> we, Hans spoke to me afterwards uh, last week and said, you, you said five points. I only counted four. You must understand it bothered me. But then I heard a calm. They, they went through the message and said, we had six points. So <laughs> it's a mystery, right? There was five, I promise. But okay, there's four points. I'll try and make it clear. Okay. Who's counting? All right. So the first point that I would say, how do I know when the word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God, I have partaken and eaten of today? One of the signs of it is, now, the Word of God, it says, husbands, husbands, speaks about the Word. It says, husbands, wash your wives, wash your wives with the washing of the Word. Now, Jesus, in John 13, asked the disciples, just before He's about to be crucified and gone through it, you know, the Last Supper, He washed their feet. And it's an interesting thing, this washing, this washing of people. And, and part of the type of the word is that there's a washing. And let me explain. In, in, in Jewish tradition, there was not tar roads. It was dust roads at the best of cases. That was high, high technology roads, a dust road. You didn't have, you had pluckies on like Yandred. I wish I could have it on. But uh, um, you had like that type of pluckies on. You walk with pluckies in a dust road for the whole day, by the evening, no matter if you are the cleanest guy as Heinrich, there will come dust, there will be dust on your foot. <laughs> there will be dust on your feet. There will be, there will be. And then as it was the tradition, as in when you come home, there would be a servant that will wash your feet so that the dust will be washed away. You know, when we are a little bit dusty, when we were outside or there was a, a between the dust and you wash, you know that, that, that cleansing and that clear feeling. Now, Jesus said to them, do this. I, I think there's more to the practice of just, you know, whenever you come together, you need to take out basins and wash one another's feet, which, which could be there. 
But Jesus says, as a tradition, that, that should be the dealings that we have with one another. We should wash one another. And as it is in Ephesians 5, husbands, wash your wife. Now, let me say this. This is something that the Word does. As we are dealing with the Word, world, not the Word, the world, as we walk there, dust settles on us. If you, 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 you're working at a place where people are not speaking about Jesus all the time. They speak about banking. They speak about uh, law. They speak about all kinds of things, whatever it is out there that you guys are doing. As we touch the world, as we walk around the dusty roads of the world, dust settled on us. And if we are long enough or in that environment, you will step back. It's not that you sinned. It's not that you do anything wrong. But suddenly the things of God just becomes dusty. It's not as clear as it used to be. Suddenly, because you've been dealing, again, you have not outright sinned. You're just in the world. It just feels like your feet is a little bit dusty. And one of the things that the Word of God does, if you will eat the Word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it will wash and clear the dust away. You will, in eating and partaking of the Word of God, you would feel that the treasure becomes clear again. You will find that the Lord becomes clear again. It's not that Jesus diminishes as we live our lives. It's just that we become increasingly dusty. And as we eat the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it's just like almost, you know, in the morning when we just, if you do it, right? That just this refreshing, just this clarity that comes again. Now I remember. What caused me to willing to buy a field with the treasure in it? What was it that caused me to give up everything for this thing? Yes, see, when I'm too much in the world, and I'm not saying when I'm outrightly sinning, I'm just touching it. Dust settles on it, and I sometimes, it just, I lose clarity. But the Word of God just washes away. Number two. I'm reading the verse, and then I'll give a name to it. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. The word there, the Greek word, our Greek scholars will help me there, is the word rhema, that at the very best would mean the spoken word. Now, I... I sometimes, I, I want to say, you know, there's two questions for me that I found as a question sometimes. How do I know I have faith? How do I know I have faith? And I, it's one of the things, if you walked long enough with God, you know when you have faith. It's amazing when the apostles saw the man uh, um, born lame in Acts 4, they walked past him, they looked in his eyes, and they said, I can see faith in their eyes. I can sometimes see faith in people's eyes. But, but, but it's a difficult thing, you know, it's, it's not measurable. How do I know when people have faith? The other question that I ask, and this is the question, the number one question that I find from so many people, how do I know God has spoken? Look, I, uh, I've got this guy that I really like. I've got this girl that I really like. I think it's God. Are you sure it's God? Uh, how do I know? I've got this job opportunity. I think it's the Lord. How do I know it's the Lord? There's so many emotions, so many things that goes into the situation. 
You, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I mean, thank you, crowd, for just the information. Right? Christians, you know what I'm talking about. Look, I, I, I counsel you all the time, so I know that's what you guys are telling me. Don't make now if you don't do this, right? So we struggle with the old struggle. Can you hear God? How do we know? This is how I know when the Word of God has come to me. This is how I know whether the Word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God has come to me when faith has come. I sometimes don't, is this God? This is one of my testers to know whether it's God. I suddenly have faith. Now, I, uh, please don't, don't confuse faith with positive thinking and optimism and all those type of things. We clearly, after a while, comes to distinguish between the two of just this is what I really want and faith. But I've come to know faith. I've come to know when Peter stands in the, in the boat and, and he just says, Jesus, just a word. If it's you, tell me to come. Come. It's all that I need. And there's faith. Just don't take your eyes off Jesus and you're going to sink, right? But it's all that I need. I need that word. And I sometimes detecting, you know, it's like, I... I, 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 I tried to figure what is God saying. For me, how I know God spoke, faith is in my heart. Just suddenly it rises up. I know He spoke to me because I see faith is in my heart. How do we get faith? Eat the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you know what? You, you want to walk in faith? I just want to tell you the origin of it. <laughs> I just want to tell you the origin of faith. You, you don't buy faith at a store. You don't get faith by psyching yourself up. You know where faith comes from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. The word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the spoken word. No word, no faith. Simple. Right. Number three. I'm going to read the verse, then we will make it, make it clear. Number three. Is, uh, is John 6, John 6, 63. Is it there? Okay. So, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The word that comes and proceeds from the mouth of God would always fill me with life. You know the life of God. It's different than any other life that comes from us. Who of you are so glad that the Springboks won yesterday? I, I have to confess, you know, I was like, look, the rugby doesn't really touch me. I don't really care about the rugby. So I was sitting there and just watching the game. And, you know, I was completely happy by accepting a loss. But then they shouldn't have come close. And I was sitting, laid back on my chair until I saw, shucks, there's actually an opportunity that we can win here. <laughs> and I was no longer sitting on my chair anymore. <laughs> I was pacing and I was shouting. Yeah, it was so nice when we won. I don't know if you guys saw the one picture afterwards of when the, the, the final whistle blows and that one guy just started weeping, you know. <laughs> Looks like a church service, right? But, I mean, have you, have you ever heard of a guy uh, of, of, at someone's funeral and says, this man, Johnny had a rich life. His favorite rugby team won a lot. 
Johnny had a significant life. He was fulfilled in every area. His favorite team won a lot. We know. We know. And we, we, we want, I, I don't want to disappoint you, but I, we really want the Springboks to win next week, right? But let me tell you, in essence, it's not going to change any of our lives. It's not going to make us more fulfilled and more satisfied and stronger people, right? It's going to be nice for the moment, like, like chocolate. But tomorrow you carry the consequences. <laughs> 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 it's not the life that comes from the Lord, right? It's like, it's like when, I, when I didn't know the Lord, I was unsatisfied in every area, and I was through the 95 World Cup. I was there on Newlands when we won the first opener. I was there in the, the biggest bar in Cape Town. I was there. But I was still an empty man. And then I encountered the life of God, that emptiness that could not be satisfied by every, anything, no matter what. It's the only thing that could satisfy it is the life of God. It's not just a surface soul experience that makes me happy for a moment. It satisfies me in here. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you is different than a springbok one. It will satisfy you in the inside. It will satisfy you to eternal life. It's interesting, you know, sometimes when I, I and again, I'm, I'm just saying, sometimes when I have times of God and I partake of the Word of God and I had a word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it feels like I just ate and I'm full. I don't know how to explain. I feel like I'm full. I just ate. It's a similar experience in the natural. It's just very different. I feel so, it's a satisfaction that's, Beyond anything. That's why I know. That's how I know. Now I can randle for my little. But there's something different than I sit and gather the manna that's from God for the word that satisfies. All right. The fourth thing. And I'm reading a verse first, and then I'll explain it. So this one is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God is spirit. And life, it satisfies us. Number four, Hebrews 4, verse 12 and 13. I read it now, no, but let's just read it again. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, uh, soul of spirit and joints of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now listen to this. And no creature is hidden from its sight, the Word of God. For all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. When the Word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God, that which seems innocent in my heart, that which seems alright, suddenly the intentions of my heart is coming to the fore. When I come to the Word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God, it leads me to repentance. It leads me to show where I thought I'm all right. I have fooled the crowd. I've smiled and waved and showed the Christian expressions. But the Word of God came and cut and showed the intents of my heart. 
And when I eat the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it is marked by repentance. Oh God, I'm a man undone. Now, this is the nature of the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is the nature of the manna that comes from God. One of the things that I've learned as a human being is I'm not the biggest scheduler. I'm not. I'm, I'm not administratively, even in my own life, scheduled. I'm, I'm more of a man of the spirit, you know. I'm like the wind. You don't know when I'm going and where I'm going. But I do plan some things in my life, and that's mealtimes. In fact, so much of my life is compartmentalized in three parts, breakfast, lunch, and supper. And then I fill it in from that grit, breakfast, lunch, and supper, and everything in between and after. That's, and I'm... I'm that's how most of us is. If we do a, a, a Christian camp and we set out a program, you know it's the first thing that we put out? Meal times. We will not miss our meals. We will not miss our eating times. It's like, whoop, life just got busy. Life just got busy. I missed my meal times. We don't do that. I'm just, I just want to know. I just want us to, I just want us to consider our lives. The word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the man shall not live from bread alone. Man shall not live from the meals that set out, breakfast, lunch, and supper. But man shall live from the word that proceeds from my mouth. Are we as guarding to that thing as the meals that we set out every day? Oh, you don't know. My life is busy, man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? You haven't, eaten for the, you haven't eaten for the last week? Life is busy, I'm sure. You're just like, sorry, I didn't eat for the last week. Sure. You've prioritized, I'm sure. You've made a way, I'm sure. But somehow, in the value of things, we do not value that. I want to say to you guys, when we speak about discipline of getting and, and, and gathering food for the Lord, watch out that something, as you eat the Word of God, or as you are disciplined, God loves you more. It's like saying this, I've got, I've got two children, and I as a father provide food for them. I want them to grow. I want them to, to be strong and to be, to be older. So I give them food every day. One of them don't eat. For months, well, let's make it a month. They don't eat for a month. And they're sick and they're very, very thin. I don't love them less. I don't love, I don't love him less because he, him or her because they don't eat. I don't love the person more that eats his food. But the one that eats his food is walking in fullness. The one that eats his food is standing strong. The one that eats his food is growing up, and the one that doesn't eat his food is not growing. It doesn't, you don't eat to earn the love of God. <laughs> but you eat the food to get through the, through the life of God and what he has for you, to partake of it. Imagine this. Moses in the desert, he has this family coming to him. 
family comes to him and says, listen, life is tough, man. I don't think I'll make it through the desert. Look at my children looks like. Look at my wife. Look at me. I can't carry. I can't do this anymore. I can't do one step anymore. Moses, you need to help me. No, no, no problem, man. It sounds serious. Just, just, I just want to hear one thing. Have you gathered the manna every day? No, 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 no. Sorry, life just got busy with that, and I, I haven't been able. When last have you gathered the manna? I, I did on Monday. I, I actually did a lot, but by Tuesday it was stale. And so Monday was a great meal, but I, I haven't actually for the last week. Listen, unfortunately, you go, into a, you go into an area that's not my responsibility. If you don't eat, you don't live. If you don't eat, you don't live. So first eat your food. The manna from heaven, that which God has given you every day. First eat that. First eat that, and then I'll help you. I was thinking about it. Can you imagine a church? Can you imagine a church that gives themselves to eat the manna, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, every day? I'm not saying, like rambling off a few verses, I'm saying eating the word that proceeds from the mouth of God every day. I don't know if I'll have a job. I'm serious. I mean, I, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, right? I'm, I'm, considering, I'm considering even myself here. How faithful am I to gather this manna? And if we're not walking in the power, and if we're not walking in the faith, and if we're not walking in the joy, and if we're not walking in the peace, and if we're not walking in the fullness of the revelation that God has for us, but we don't eat. What, 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 what is the solution? It seems just like there's just a very, very obvious, very obvious connection here. Imagine we strike another COVID. Food is scarce, guys. You can't get food. It's like, again, what's that, what was that hour, that uh, um, curfew that we had, like one hour out? Six to seven is the only time that you can go get food. That's the problem at Checkers. Six to seven, only time, any place in Stellenbosch, anywhere in South Africa that you can get food. There's an hour, six to seven, at Checkers. It is nice food. It is wonderful food. The only problem is this food only lasts a day. You've got one hour every day to go and gather that food for today, and they won't be for tomorrow. I tell you, pretty soon, every family in Stellenbosch will find the discipline to go and get their food from 6 to 7 every day. Every day. I'm asking for the same. I, I, just, I just, as, as, as spiritual people, how, how, how easy it is to neglect those. Right. Second part is, uh, second part that I want to say is this. I want to read you guys Ephesians, oh no, sorry, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. Okay, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now, 
For while bodily training or exercise is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I want to say the Bible speaks well of physical exercise. But the Bible compares physical exercise with spiritual exercise. The Bible compares with how you train your body to how you train your spirit. The Bible compares it and says how regularly you partake of the mind of the word that proceeds from the mouth compares to physical exercise. I'm not saying physical exercise is bad, but let it be known today, spiritual exercise and gathering the mana is so much, so much more important. Now, this message is reserved for Stellenbosch and Stellenbosch specifically because I've never found a town where we have regarded our physical diets and physical exercise as much as in this town. I, uh, it's so funny. The, I'm, I'm having David staying with our, our house. He last year he stayed for a year in England, and then obviously before that he stayed his whole life in St. Petersburg. And I ask him, you know, it's like as we drive, it's like, what, what stands out for you of South Africa? He says, man, these people exercise. It's like, what do you take from this town? I've never seen. Five o'clock is like, what on earth is going on here? It's like, I feel out because I don't exercise so much. Right? Now, I enjoy the discipline that is here around physical exercise. We need to exercise early in the morning, John. I've got a personal trainer. We need to exercise early in the morning. Oh, we can't exercise at work time. So we need to be disciplined to exercise early in the morning or late in the evening. But let it be known today that we have not chose the way of God if we have elevated physical exercise above spiritual exercise. And we choose to neglect spiritual exercise so that we can get to our bodily exercise. If you have to choose between the two, if you have to choose between the two, if one needs to suffer, look, it feels like I compare it here, but it shouldn't be a comparison. A couple of years ago, I was still in Wellington. In Wellington, we had a prayer meeting every morning, 5.30. And uh, I woke up, you know, 25 past 5, I was like, or quarter past 5, I woke up, and I'm like self-pitying all the way as I get up. And I'm thinking by myself. I'm thinking by myself here. As I get up, I'm thinking by myself. How much of a sacrifice am I giving to the Lord here to wake up to be 5.30 at a prayer meeting? And I finally stumbled to my car and I drove thinking martyrs of old would have looked up to me. The sacrifice and the set-apartness is next to none. And as I'm driving to Wellington, look, Wellington is just so big. It's about, I don't know if it's even a two-kilometer drive to, to the place where we prayed. On my way there, I notice lots of cars. It's clearly activity. It's not a parking lot. It's like activity of cars. And I'm like, who in their right mind is up 530? Is there a new church in town? Let's pray. 
who in their right mind is up 5.30? And I mean, there was a lot of cars for a small town like Wellington. And I realized there's a new German town. There's a new German town. And I found like people that's not as dedicated, people that is not even Christian, are waking up at 5.30 to make sure that they get their bodily exercises in. And I was so convicted. I was so convicted. Right? So, guys, I want to ask you this. I want to ask us this. I have a, um, a, a while ago, I, I got signed up by a nutritionist. Like Christy is a nutritionist. I got signed up by a dietitian with a deal that if I follow this for five weeks, I would lose a certain amount of weight. And I did it, and I lost a lot of weight. I neglected it in the meanwhile, and I picked it up all again and even more. But you would not say, I know that, I know that. But, um, but it was deal, it was the, the deal was something like this, you know. If you, for the next three or four or five weeks, eat what I give you and take out what I give you, I promise you these type of results. I promise you. And you would look, this is, if you're not, it's like this uh, money back guarantee type of thing. Right? I've got this promise to you guys. I've got this promise to you. There is a diet that the Lord has given us. There's a diet that the Lord has given us. And if you would eat, this is like, I'm, I'm, I'm selling this plan out to you as from the Lord. I'm, I'm selling this plan to you. If you would eat every day the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, if you would gather every day fresh manna for the next three months, I promise that you will have more faith. I promise that you will have more peace. I promise that you will have more joy. I promise that you will have more revelation and more wisdom in the things of God. I promise that you will have more security. I promise that. And if you don't, I'll say sorry. But I will really doubt whether you've done it. And I, I'm like, what's withholding the church from walking in more power? What's withholding the church from walking in more faith? What's withholding the church from walking in more joy and more peace and more holiness? We don't eat. And if we're just simply faithful to gather as Jesus asked us to gather, will we not see the results? Will we not see the results of just living so I'm going to do it a little bit different today. Right? I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to want you to consider this. So I know, as I said this, and what I said to you, how the Lord has asked people to gather manna, I know some of you have gone like, you're, ah, I haven't been the most disciplined. Ah, I haven't done that. And if you go like, are you repenting? But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking for those people today. 
I'm asking simply if you're willing to sign up for a new eating plan. If you're willing to sign up for a new eating plan. Look, when I sign up for that other eating plan, I had to clean my kitchen. And I had to buy a whole new little... It was, it was a serious commitment. I, had, I realized I had to change my lifestyle and the way I approach things if I want to follow this. And this is the thing. This is so easy. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, I'll stand up. Oh, let's pray for me. Yeah, yeah, And then just go on here and we just live our lives here. This is going to take a different way of living. If we want to be true to going through the things that God wants us to go. And so I'm asking, this is what I'm going to ask us, right? Now, I know uh, so maybe, if, if I can get five people that sign up for this eating meal, five people, I, I know that there will be more power in the church. I know there will be more holiness. There will be more life of God for sure. I know that. But I, I don't want this to just, I mean, I don't want this just to go like, oh, I'm sorry, I just help me to be more disciplined and just go on with your life. It's just really signing up for a new way of, of living. It's like uh, uh, Hans prayed this morning. I thought like it's so cool. God, let us not be hearers of the word. Let us be doers. Okay. So maybe if I make a call and as I stand, some people will feel intimidated. And feel like, oh, he's, now they're thinking I'm not going to do it. And they uh, stand in any way. So I'm not going to do it like that. I don't want anything to hinder the way that we're going to go about. I want it to be you and God. And you determine how you're going you're to go out and do this. You sit with him. If you've been starved, and if you've been starved yourself, be not eating. And you tell God. God, I'm sorry for the things that you've given me and I just didn't eat it. And complaining that I'm, that I'm starving here. And if you're not, and say, God, I want to change. But, but it's mean my life is going to change, right? Now, I just want to say this. I, I, I had children. I, I still have children. But <laughs> I, I had young children. I, I, <clears throat> my children were young. And... Uh, um, and uh, before I had children, I, I, faithfully, I, I, I faithfully every day of my life will gather mana. Literally, I, it, 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 will, it will be the thing that I revolve my life around. Every day, until I ate from the mana, I wouldn't go. And I wouldn't skip a day for years. Then I got children. And... and at, at some states, the way that I used to gather mana was really impossible. I, I know parents use those things as excuses. And parents is like, children, children, it's the, it's the, it's the get out of jail free card the whole time. Children, children, children. But I'm telling you, there was time for me that I couldn't gather mana the way that I used to when I had children. And I remember with Samuel, it was so frustrating for me, children. I, I like, I, I, I really, I, I, for me, it was a real, it threw the apple cart around completely. I had planned, I, I had this, it stole my time of Jesus. So I would wake up in the morning and, and, and Sammy would cry. So I've, I've, the thing is, you can't be impatient when you try to put a baby to sleep. It's like, then it loses. It picks it up. It picks up that you're impatient. And it'll just scream more. So you need to act like... 
And then as soon as he just sensed a little bit of impatience, he just starts screaming all over again. And I had to, as a, as a two-month-old baby, I had to repent to him so many times. Sorry for, for doing what I did to you. That's another story. So, but I, I, I one, I, I one day as, as I was having my time with God and one of the children were crying again. And I'm like, I can't believe that it's stealing my time with God. So I, I went and I, 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 I put it to bed. And I just, it's like that parent thing. It's, it's all coming back to me now. I forgot it. But it's just come close to put, put, put the child down in the bed. And as I just, it's just that part, it's that part. He starts crying again. And I, I, I <laughs> took the child and I screamed to God. I said to so you don't want me to have time with you. <laughs> and I, it's like a few times that I felt it so clear, but I could hear heaven laughing. <laughs> it's like, it just laughed at me. But it, it was an amazing time because I had to find, I had to come to a place that I had to find how to find my manner in a different way. And I remember in that time, I... I, the only time quiet and peace was the two kilometers from my house to the, to the office where I was working. And I had the, um, the, um, the audio Bible in there. And I was on my way. I had like half a chapter that I would listen. I was on the book of Revelation. And on that way there, in that 10 minutes, or it's not like there's a lot of traffic in Wellington, but I, I mean, I, in that time from here to there, God, I got manna. It was almost as if, you know, the whole thing about manna is God made it easy. It's like, I want my people to eat. I threw it. It's like as if he found me where I was. And in this audio Bible on a car, I got so much revelation. At times, I felt like this is a cheat. I should have labored much more for this. And in that time, I got so much revelation. The book of Revelation, I'm telling you, there's not many people that could say that. The book of Revelation opened up to me. I understood it. And I, I mean, I got lots of lots of sermons that just came out of that. And I felt at the time I should have labored much more for it. This is unfair. And it's like, my child, I want you to eat. It's not like I'm against you here. I know where you are in your life. I want you to eat. But man, I need you to be willing to gather. I need you to be willing to go out and just find a way to gather the manna. All right. So this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask each one, find, I mean, we, we, we're pretty cramped in here already, but if you want to move a chair or so on just to be alone, but each one, take time now to speak to God and discuss your, 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 meal, your meal plan. And each one be honest with him. Because it's not, it's not like, I'm sorry, here we go. It needs to come to a place that we shift radically. All right. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give two minutes for us. Maybe, maybe, just like, so it's not too awkward, just play a little bit with the background. Okay. Okay, if, if you have to go, it's fine. I mean, I can't, uh, 
can't keep you guys. But I think it will be good for us to discuss how I'm going to change my life from now. All right. Jesus, I thank you that you gave us food and drink <laughs> so that we can be satisfied and strong to go through the things that you have for us. But Jesus, your church is starving. Your church are satisfied, spiritual, hungry people, Lord Jesus, that have prioritized everything over the eating of the manna and the words that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus, that the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is available for each one of us every day. Thank you, Jesus, for freshness of your word. Thank you for living and alive. Jesus, oh Jesus, we want to gather and we want to eat. We want to be true and faithful to that which you've given us to eat and partake. Jesus, you know all of us. You know how we're going to take it. You know how we order our lives and all the things that goes around that. I pray, Jesus, that we'll just sit now with you. And Lord, even as I know that it's your will for us to eat, I know it, I know it, and I know your grace is there, that we will speak. But Father, I pray that you'll find hearts that is willing to shift everything to prioritize this thing in our lives. In Jesus' name.